the neutral ground. It's been said that the next great war will not be fought on land, sea, or air, but rather in the cyber world. Our guest this week is Dr. Dwayne C. Wilson, and we're going to talk all about cybersecurity so that we can get a better understanding of some of the basics, the misconceptions, and the hypotheticals for the future. I found this conversation to be both informative and realistic about both present and future problems that we might face in cybersecurity. We discuss domestic threats, and we even dive into the problems of pushing back against global threats that seek to divide us as a nation. If you're interested in cybersecurity, you'll definitely want to pick up Dwayne's book entitled Cybersecurity, which is a part of the MIT Press Essential Knowledge series. It's a great primer for those who might not be in the know about this field. There's a link to the book in the episode notes below. If you appreciate the conversation and want to show some support for the podcast, make sure to hit the subscribe slash follow button but only if you're an authenticated user of your profile. Identity thieves need not subscribe. Don't forget to hit the like button and leave a kind comment where applicable, and consider following me on my social media accounts as well. Every little bit helps to bring our message of civil discourse back in front of more people. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Dr. Dwayne C. Wilson. Dwayne, welcome to The Neutral Ground. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. How about yourself? I'm doing fantastic. We're, we're going to be talking about something that I find incredibly interesting. Um, I have a little bit of a background in computer science from way back in the day. As I think I told you, I can still write a pretty mean VB script. Got it. But, Got it. <laughs> but I'm a little out of my depth here with, with this discussion. So thank you for coming on with us to enlighten us on this topic of cybersecurity. And we're going to be talking in and out a little bit about your your book as well, which is entitled Cybersecurity, which is part of the MIT Essential Knowledge series. And it's it particularly is, is fantastic because it breaks down a lot of technical aspects within the field. But I actually want to begin on a kind of a personal, personal note here to just ask you, how did you arrive in the field of cybersecurity? Uh, so so funny, funny you should ask. It was it was actually by accident. <laughs> I, I grew up actually playing a lot of video games, and uh, as most young men and maybe, maybe some young women uh, uh, in, in this day and age of, of technology, and uh, my dream was to work for uh, either Pixar or uh, EA Sports uh, because I thought it was it was it was a simple transition. You know, you play video games, uh, you should be able to create them, and I was I was a bit bit of an artiste. <laughs> Uh, when I was when I was growing up as well, I, I I could replicate pretty much any art uh, that I saw. I was not really much of a creator, but I, I was very good at uh, sketching things that I, that I saw. So those two things combined uh, uh, led me to want to go into technology more, more so uh, the the entertainment side of it. So uh, long story short, I. Uh, uh, Ended up studying computer science as, as a foundational uh, foundation for, for the discipline that I wanted to go into. Uh, went to grad school, took a computer animation course, uh, and uh, got a B minus. And I was I was I was really upset. <laughs> I was really upset. Uh, I, yeah, I know this is uh, you know uh, uh, 
you know, PG friendly TV, <laughs> but I, I was, I was, let's say I was just really upset. And, and I saw at the time people who got A's and, and I realized that, uh, uh, I got a scholarship, uh, hundred thousand dollars scholarship to go into the field of cybersecurity. And at the time I had to write uh, an essay pretending that I was interested and, uh, subsequent to that B minus, I, I, I'd done a few internships with the, with the U S government and, uh, uh, loved it as well. Uh, did not think I would I would uh, stay in it as long as I have. But uh, as as I said, it was by accident and uh, maybe by principle, right? I don't like B minuses uh, <laughs> or anything lower than an A. <laughs> so uh, hence here I am, and and I've stuck in the field since two thousand two. Since two thousand two. That's fantastic. I'll, I'll let loose my own kind of. Um kind of story here too about a, a bad grade. I was convinced that I didn't need the base course of C++ when okay. I was doing my comp sci degree and okay. I jumped right into data structures. Okay. A C plus later, <laughs> I realized I probably should have taken that base course first, yeah, honestly. Hindsight, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, as they say, is always twenty twenty. So it's, as, as you get older, you, you realize that there's a lot of decisions that you made when you were younger uh, that you would, you would, Try again. <laughs> yeah, the second time I've given an opportunity, but that's not how life works, right? <laughs> Let me piggyback one one question on that because um, you know I've talked about video games even on the podcast. What you said, EA Sports. Is there a particular game that you enjoyed playing, or genre of games that you enjoyed playing more than others? Yeah, very simple. I I, I play what I, I watch and what I play in real life. So so basketball, uh, uh, NBA Live. I, I guess it was back in the day. Now it's two K. Uh, and uh, and then Madden, John Madden's uh, football. So so those two sports were 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 two of my favorites, and still are till this day, uh, with exception of of two K because my my nephew, who is about sixteen years old, you know, stomped me the last time <laughs> we played. But uh, I'll I'll give him I'll give him a shout out on this on this on this podcast. He deserves it. <laughs> Isn't it amazing how how you you do start to lose a little bit of that skill set? As you get as you get older, I don't even know how it happens, but I got I got decimated at an arcade playing a young kid in um, Street Fighter Two, which I used to be quite good at, even in tournaments, and I got absolutely destroyed. And I just thought, what happened? <laughs> well, well where you, you grew up, and 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 life, you know, life presents you with with unique challenges. Meaning, uh, you have to make money to uh, to not go back and live with your parents. So, uh, you know, to to make those decisions, you don't have as much time to play video games. Whereas these yeah. kids, they have all the time in the world. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's a good point. All right, so let's let's dive into some of these uh, technicals here within the field. In in your book, you outline six important goals in the field. Right, the first three of which are considered to be kind of industry wide standard goals, and those are confidentiality, integrity, and availability. The second three, or the second set, is you have you you have kind of listed as often neglected goals, which are authentication, authorization, and non-repudiation. Let's talk just a little bit about the first three. First here, confidentiality, integrity, and availability, and kind of maybe go over a little bit what they are, why they're important, and how they function within the cybersecurity world. Mm -hmm. Sure. So, uh, yeah, so the, the CIA triad, uh, confidentiality, integrity, and availability, which they're commonly known as serve as kind of like the foundational tenants within within the field. And uh, experts, uh, 
not including myself, uh, say that they the others are actually derived from those those three. So the, the argument, the jury is still out on whether or not that is that holds true. But my my, my thought process is if there's six, there's six for a reason. So uh, confidentiality is, is really simple. It's uh, similar to the issues that we're having on this uh, getting on this call, right? You have a you had a meeting ID. Uh, that uniquely identifies this particular call, and then you have a passcode. And so, when I went to enter the the passcode, that's when I was getting having having my issues. So, confidentiality is is simply keeping conversations or information private to the the parties in which uh, that information is was designed to 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 reach. Basically, integrity is 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 very similar. Uh, what good is confidentiality if if you can't trust the data? So let's say uh, you commented about my background. Uh, uh, let's say that I am impersonating Dwayne Wilson and I'm not actually Dwayne Wilson, right? You can't really trust what you're seeing. So we're both presented in 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 a a data centric manner right now on this call. So uh, I see you, you see me, and we trust that each other is who they say they are. So integrity is similar, trusting uh, the information that was sent from, from source to destination. And then availability is, I call it the, the on-time principle. So uh, you could have confidentiality integrity, but if the data or information is not available at the time in which you need it, uh, what good is it, right? So that, that, that one has a time element built into it. Let me ask you this as a, as a kind of a, a, a piggyback here too of those three which is which is in your opinion the most difficult one to say work with in in a um, a commercial setting uh integrity i would i would say integrity actually uh because it it's it's very easy to uh manipulate information uh, without people actually actually knowing uh, uh, that that information was was manipulated, uh, as as an example, uh, there's modern analogies uh, to the physical world that 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 we use and we borrow in the cybersecurity world uh, to kind of try to make sense of of some of the principles within. Uh, so if uh, you probably have something of value in your home, right? So let's say a computer or uh, uh, expensive television or or something something else of value. If someone was to break into your home and uh, steal that information or, or or that or that artifact, uh, that artifact is is actually gone. You need to report it stolen to the police. Whereas on on a computer system, I can actually take information uh, from a computer system, and on, unless you know how to look at you know, things like the last accessed or last modified times, I can manipulate that information in some form or fashion or actually take that information uh, and, uh, and, and, and you have a breach of integrity. And if that information is, is stolen, you have a breach of confidentiality. But integrity, I, I say, is, is diff more difficult because I could take that information, manipulate it and put it right back. <laughs> uh, and... Uh, you can't really trust that information anymore. So confidentiality and, and integrity actually go hand in hand, but I, I think integrity is a little bit harder to uh, promote as, as, as a principle. 
that's fascinating. I never really thought of it that way. And I, I love the analogy of the the physical item in the home, right? We absolutely, we know right away it's gone. It's it's no longer here. But the idea that someone could take the data, the information, manipulate it, put it right back where it was, and how, let's be honest, most people probably would not know that anything happened at all is is pretty scary, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and, and I, I guess that holds true, you know, if you watch like any of these spy or, or, or movies that promote theft, right? A lot of times, you know, when, when it's something very expensive, uh, the, the thieves will actually replace the original artifact with some replica of, it, of itself. So it's, 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 it's a difficult principle to uphold, I think, um, you know, and one of, you know, one of the most interesting challenges in the, in the field. So you, you also have these other three goals as well that you have cited as being often neglected. And those are um, authentication, authorization, and non-repudiation. Can you talk a little bit about what these three goals are and how they function and maybe why you feel like they're often neglected? Uh, sure, sure. So so authorization and authentication, uh, similar to confidentiality and integrity, kind of go hand in hand. So authentication is, uh, you know, back to the analogy of the, the passcode. It's basically authenticating... Uh, someone based on some type of principle, something that they know, something that they have or something that they are, right? And so in this case of logging into the Zoom session, it was something that I know, right? Which is a passcode, but also something that I am. You knew my email address. We corresponded before. So I'm, I'm now authenticating using uh, some type of identifier that legit, le- legitimizes me as me. Uh, and then, and then, uh, we'll use Zoom as 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 a as a common example since we're on it. Uh, I don't know if you've ever been on a on a Zoom meeting where they have breakout sessions, right? Uh, so uh, Zoom uh, should have constructed it this this way. I'm not sure if they they have, but once someone is authenticated to the main room, that doesn't mean that they're authorized to go to uh, one of the breakout session rooms, right? So imagine coming to someone's house for the first time, right? I I would imagine that it would be irresponsible or disrespectful, <laughs> as my mom would like to say. She she thinks everything is disrespectful, <laughs> but uh, or or just plain rude to be invited to someone's house for dinner or lunch or what whatnot, and then uh, you ask to go to the bathroom, and you find yourself in the master bedroom's bathroom, right? And uh, and you do your business in, in, in someone's <laughs> your private chambers, which is, 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 is completely rude, <laughs> right? Not, not the best analogy, but I, I don't think people will forget that one. <laughs> so there's authentication, <laughs> right? Uh, you're authorized to come into the house and then, and then, and then authorization, sorry, is, is now which rooms are you able to, to access, right? So, so authentication is your key, your key or someone lets you into the house and you're authorized uh, to these specific areas. And a non-repudiation non- is primarily used uh, when, when you think of uh, email communications. So if I was to send you an inf- uh, uh, a message, an email message, and uh, down the road, uh, you discovered that that message uh, was part of an artifact that was, that was gathered through, through a digital forensics investigation. So I, I had committed some crimes uh, uh, 
to include sending you this message with, with some, some, some information in it. Uh, what I would want to do as a criminal is, is basically say, hey, I never sent that email. That wasn't me. Someone had taken over my device. Uh, non-repudiation is basically thwarting that, that attempt to basically say, I did not send this particular email. I'm, I'm sure everyone can relate to emails that they, they wish they hadn't hit send. Uh, so non-repudiation uh, makes you conscious of that, that the principle. Make sure you read your emails before you send it, because once you send it, uh, you cannot repudiate, right, or deny basically that you've you've, you've sent that information, uh, that email. So that 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 principle can translate to any any electronic-based uh, communications. I didn't. I, ha- I suspected that that was the case always, but I never actually thought about how it it functions technologically. Is there is there software out there that tries to mask that information as best as it can? Uh, well, I mean, you you could you could spoof emails, so you 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 can. Uh, there there's sites that allow you to send an email on behalf of someone else, uh, masquerading as as someone else. Uh, you know, for, for that purpose, there, there's uh, ways in which you can be somewhat, quote unquote, an anonymous online. You know, we'll talk about that a little bit later in the, in the, in the conversation. Uh, so, so yeah, there, there's, there's many ways to uh, purport yourself as, as someone else uh, in an email exchange, right? And, and that's often why uh, I see it all the time. People argue over email or text messages. You know, that's not a real argument you know uh nba is 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 famous for these fake fights these fake tough guy fights so i i think of email and, and text message uh displays of anger or frustration as as, as very weak <laughs> and soft yeah <laughs> non-repudiation is, is is helps with that uh yeah through 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 some 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 principles uh one of which is uh, digital signatures, right? So when you sign a message, uh, you cannot then in, in, in the future deny that you were the signatory or the auth- authority of that message, right? Or the author of that message. So, so, so they're, they're principles that, that will allow you to avoid that. So just not to belabor the point, but I actually heard someone, someone made an entire almost... Um, stand-up kind of uh, argument, stand-up kind of comedy argument about PDFs today and the idea of the digital digital signature and how like, well, can't anybody just kind of click the box and say that they digitally signed it? But is that connected then to what you're talking about, this idea of non-repudiation, that that represents that you have signed this? Is that a way of getting that information? Like what's the connection there with the new PDFs now? Sure. So, so, so yeah, yes, that, that's true that anyone can sign it, but uh, there's, there's an entire infrastructure behind just clicking that signature, right? It's not just as simple as, you know, pulling a pen out and signing. There's uh, what's called a public key infrastructure uh, that's tied to a certificate authority uh, in which you've registered a certificate that contains information similar to like a birth certificate, right? It will contain uh, some type of identifier. It, it might contain uh, your social security number or a u- uniquely, you know, generated identifier for you, uh, and and some other personally identifiable information. 
So when you click that, uh, that certificate chain for, for authorization purposes uh, is, is triggered, right? Uh, and, and if any, any elements of that chain are, are broken, uh, we call it the authorization chain, uh, then uh, you will not be allowed to sign that message. So yeah, it, it's, it's, it's not as simple as uh, people think it, yeah, people think it is. Yeah, there's a whole infrastructure behind it uh, enabling uh, some, some, some for, for, form of traceability uh, back to the origin, which is someone has authorized you as you uh, in, some, in some form or fashion. Good to know. Thanks. Yeah, I kind of had a, an idea that there was a whole thing going on in the background here. Um, yeah, and, and to answer your question, you, you asked why are they often uh, ignored. I, I think it's simply for the fact that the CIA triad uh, came first, uh, and, and, and these, these were principles that uh, were derived and or uh, discovered over time in terms of you know, their importance. And uh, uh, saying the CIA triad is cool. You, know, you have all sorts of images that represent the CIA triad. Uh, the six doesn't sound as, as, as sexy, I guess. <laughs> Neither does it look as, as, as great in a, in a, in a, in a triangular, uh, triangular image. <laughs> So I, I think partly laziness, but the, the, the field is evolving. And I think ultimately that that's, that's, that's what happened. They came later. That's funny. Part of it, it you know, it always comes back in, in a degree to sellability a little bit too, right? And how you can get that message out to people effectively. Well, I, I want to switch gears a little bit here to another technology. And actually this technology kind of shares an interesting character trait, believe it or not, with postmodernism. And here's why I say that. And that's blockchain. And the reason why I say they, they share an interesting trait is that I oftentimes hear people throw out both terms in key conversations, but I'm always wondering if the person actually understands what the terms mean. Blockchain specifically it's brought up synonymously in a lot of different areas like cryptocurrency and, and things like that. But it's, it's, it's its own technology, actually, right? Can you talk a little bit about what is blockchain? Let's clarify that a little bit. And then talk a little bit about how it functions within the cybersecurity field. Okay, yeah, and, and, and if, if you don't mind, I'll, I'll touch on why there's, there's such a, a discrepancy in terms of uh, the difference between the two. So, Blockchain has versions, right? So we're now, I think, on, on version four. Uh, I, I, I talk about them, the different versions, a little bit in my in my book. Uh, but blockchain version one was Bitcoin. So the blockchain was created uh, to support cryptocurrency only at first. And so when you're uh, the the originating source of something and and the origin story. Uh, puts these two together. It's hard to ultimately separate them. And then when you look at the price discrepancy between Bitcoin and uh, any other altcoin, uh, again, it's, it's it's very hard to separate separate the two. So uh, blockchain is, is is not really a uh, a novel term uh, or concept within the, within the computing world. It's essentially uh, you probably remember from your well C plus C++ class, class that you probably went back and, and took, uh, the concept of a linked list. Uh, so essentially blockchain is, is, is just a glorified linked list with uh, some 
cryptographic pr principles uh, embedded within it to tie each node within that list together, right? So uh, that's probably the simplest way I could I could I could actually describe a a, a blockchain. So can you explain just for the audience as well though um, the concept of of a linked list then as you're using it. Um, for this example, just so that everybody in the audience can kind of keep up with us as well. Oh, okay. Yeah, sure. Sure. Yeah. So, so, so there, there's, uh, uh, within a linked list, there are, uh, nodes, right. That are, are linked together, uh, uh, where, uh, the, the second node is linked back to the, the, the first node. Uh, the third node is linked back to the, the second node, the fourth node and, and so on and so forth. So similarly, in, in, in blockchain, the first node is called the Genesis block, right? Go figure for the, the Bible lovers. Uh, uh, I'm, one of, <laughs> I'm one of them. Uh, yeah, so it, it's an appropriate name for the first block. Uh, and, and within that block, there's a number of things that go on, uh, primarily in the case of cryptocurrencies, uh, transactions, right? So, so transactions uh, that are performed and computations uh, that are done by nodes on on a network, uh, in order to establish some 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 sort of consensus, so so as not to confuse the audience. One one thing I learned how to do really well writing a a layperson cybersecurity book is analogies. So I'll use one here. Uh, the the best analogy when 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 it comes to thinking about uh, uh, the purpose behind. Uh, uh, these consensus algorithms associated with, with blockchain technology is uh, typically prior to cryptocurrency, we transact in a world where we have a centralized arbitrator, which is a bank, right? So if I wanna send some money from, from uh, here to there, so uh, let's say I wanna send you, Joe, uh, $10, right? So a, a centralized authority will uh, verify at minimum, a few things. One, I have an account, bank account, legitimate bank account. Uh, uh, you have a legitimate bank account. Uh, I am who I say that I am. You, you are who you say you are. And uh, most importantly, I have $10 in my account, <laughs> right? Uh, uh, and, and, and they won't even, actually, actually they might not even verify that because they, they, they will happily uh, lend me the money and charge me fees. <laughs> If I don't have the money to send you ten dollars, but but let's say in principle I have the money, and then and then and then you have you have the means by which you can you can receive the money. Uh, that's a centralized infrastructure. Uh, blockchain now is a decentralized concept, so that that same transaction uh, is not verified by any one single authority. It's verified by uh, a party of of entities, we call them nodes or master nodes, uh, and, and they have to come to some consensus. So think of the simple example of, of three nodes in a, in, a, in a blockchain network, right? Uh, one node owner wants to send some money to another node owner, right? The other two, right, will have to uh, form some, some, some sort of uh, uh, consensus. Uh, in order to arbitrate or approve that 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 particular that particular transaction, uh, so uh, that's you know kind of how it, it simply works. Uh, so cryptocurrency is 
is uh, akin to a modern day currency. So it, it's, it's actually a currency that can be converted into some form of fiat, right? So whether it's, it's the US dollar or uh, the euro or any other you know, popular uh, currency that, that, that currently, currently exists. So uh, that's, that's how they, uh, they operate uh, differently. But blockchain has many, many other use cases other than just uh, for uh, exchange, exchange of money. So we're using it in the, in the cybersecurity world as a means of decentralization. And does that also, in a sense, does that make it in some ways more secure, actually, than having to rely on a decentralized uh, node, let's say, or part of this? More, more secure, I would say no, in the sense that now you have to trust more entities. Uh, you're basically con- trusting computers, uh, which you know are programmed by human beings to to actually you know verify verify things but it, it uh according to my advisor who who uh is a theoretical cryptographer he said that it's it's the best modern day use case of cryptography he's ever he's ever he's ever seen uh and this includes like things like transport layer security which secures uh you know your connections to a a, a website uh, and, and and other mechanisms in which we use cryptography for, like password security. Uh, so for him to say that, you know, I I I, I know he's pretty world famous. So I, I I kind of take his 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 word his word for it. But what we use it for is, as a principle, is is any previous situation electronically where where you'd require a th- trusted third party. Uh, so. Uh, if you want to read my dissertation at some some form or some 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 time, uh, that's really the crux of what I was trying to to apply blockchain to. It was a specific use case in which you previously needed to rely on a trusted third party, and I was able to use blockchain technology as a means to not have to do that because of uh, this decentralized consensus that was uh, easily achieved through through the use of a blockchain blockchain network. Uh, so that that's one of the, as a high level, the the main security problems that we can solve uh, in 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 using that that technology. Well, let's stick with this theme here uh, of security and and talk about something that is getting a lot of push in in the media in terms of commercials and things like that, and that's VPNs. So. They're they're really popular because I think they they tend to talk about two things that that the community likes. One is that idea of security, and two also people like it because you can use it to mask your location to be able to watch a show on a streaming platform that's you know only available in another country, let's say. But I'm always a little bit skeptical of just how sure they are in terms of the safety and the security. Can you speak a little bit about how VPNs work and then give me your take on sort of their, their security and safety? Uh, sure, sure. So uh, basically how they work is, is uh, someone wants to communicate with someone else online uh, uh, and you want to do so in a secure manner. So the only way to do that online is by creating what's called a, a secure tunnel right, or channel between uh, two people. So that's that's the simplest way of, of explaining that. 
And uh, again, cryptography comes into play here where we exchange uh, keys, right? And, and those keys are used to encrypt or, uh, or mass basic communications between uh, uh, anyone who does not have those keys. So when I send you a message, I encrypt it with uh, uh, a key and only you have the, the, the corresponding key to decrypt that message and vice versa. So we do this key exchange first and that's how we actually establish a channel. It's not really a, a, a separate channel to the modern day internet. It's just basically we've exchanged keys. Uh, and I talked about a little bit that that infrastructure that enables digital signatures and, and non-repudiation. So it's the same type of infrastructure. We call it a public key infrastructure uh, where uh, you have a private key, I have a private key uh, that we only have access to, but, but the public has access to your public key. So there's a mathematical relationship between a public and private key such that I can pull your public key if I want to talk to you securely, encrypt some data, and then you can decrypt it with your private key. And so that's how that's how VPNs essentially work. Uh, and the second question you asked was, uh, are they really as secure as, as uh, they're promoted to be? Uh, it really depends on the algorithms that are used. And, and the infrastructure that that supports that that, that VPN connection. Uh, so there's a lot of configuration issues that could that it could occur if uh, the people who are managing that infrastructure don't know what they're doing. Uh, but uh, you want to look at what algorithms that they're using uh, to make sure that they are approved and not homegrown uh, or, or created by someone like you or me, uh, who you know might have a uh, you know, knowledge of security, but uh, crypto algorithms are actually approved by a community, uh, even if someone originates them. Uh, and and so, so algorithm security and then infrastructure security, and also the reputation, uh, just to be a little bit lighter uh, of that company, uh, would allow you to like actually have a secure uh, VPN uh, technology that that I would I would recommend. Yeah, you definitely don't want to buy uh, your virtual private network that was built by me. Yeah, exactly. Or me. You, you, you don't <laughs> you, you don't want to do that. It's not going to be safe or secure. I'll just tell you right now. But um, this is probably a good place then to 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 ask you about which is something you mentioned earlier because I think sometimes commercial users think that VPNs make you anonymous and you put in quotation air quotes. Um, this idea of, uh, you know, being anonymous on the web. Is there, let's, let's just leave it at the commercial user level, the regular user level. Are you able to be truly anonymous on the web? Uh, no. <laughs> no, uh, because, you know, ultimate, ultimately you are assigned an IP address by some, some form of you know, the internet service provider. And uh, as a result, they will know who you are. Where uh, anonymity is, is closely achieved, right, is, is when people route their traffic through, you know, multiple connections, right? So that it's hard to trace them back to the, the originating, originating source. So, so that's why things like, 
that are built on top of decentralized technologies like blockchain. Now, you know, we're discovering that it's, it's used a lot for money laundering, right? Because it's hard to trace uh, the owner of, you know, a, a blockchain or a Bitcoin address. So some other uh, altcoins are, are a little bit easier uh, or, or make that easier or make that, sorry, even more difficult. Uh, things like, you know, secure, you know, you know, third-party computations, things of that nature, try to solve this, this issue of something claiming anonymity and, and not, not truly being that when you, when you do the, the, the traceability back to it. But uh, no, you can't truly be anonymous online. So wait, let me get this clear. You're saying that movies and television shows right? That have that great scene always when they're trying to catch someone online and you end up seeing like the feds show up to a house with just a router and that's it in, in the middle of the room. You're saying that that's not the end right there. <laughs> well, it, it might be the end depending on, on, on your knowledge, right? The knowledge of your digital forensics team, but uh, uh, no, it, 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 it's typically not the end, but I mean, when we start talking about, uh, uh, you know, one of the topics that we'll get into later, when nation state uh, actors, uh, that's when it becomes, you know, truly difficult to to find that person, <laughs> uh, that person that that that, that did it. Uh, but it, yeah, crimes of a larger scale are not committed by one single entity. They're 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 committed by a group of actors, like most professionals. You watch movies and TV shows, and there are quite a few going back to, you know, at least the 90s. You know, um, I forgot the name of the movie now. Was it The, the Net? I think it was. Stuff like that. Um, do you ever, wh- what would you say is the most criminal misrepresentation of, let's say, the cybersecurity field in popular culture? Uh Swordfish is <laughs> it's, it's probably one of my favorite. Uh, uh, it, it, it showed uh, a scene, uh, even though they, they, you know, Swordfish uh, had my one of my favorite. Uh, sorry, there's uh, <laughs> they're uh, mowing my grass outside. <laughs> hey, life happens. No worries. Yeah. So uh, you know, Halle Berry was in it. Uh, you know, I, I, I loved her in that movie. But there, there was a scene where uh, this gentleman was. Uh, uh, asked to create a, a computer worm uh, and he had basically 24 hours to do it. And so he was, you know, drunk, high uh, and uh, yeah, had all these computers and, and he was able to do it basically in 24 hours. And, and I think they were trying to hack the NSA or something like that. And uh, that, that was the most ridiculous uh, yet exciting scene I've ever seen <laughs> uh, on TV <laughs> that, that really didn't do uh, much justice for uh, the previous research that has to be done to, uh, you know, attack or hack or, or in, you know, infiltrate an organization like the NSA. Uh, that wasn't fair to them. <laughs> That's fantastic. Good example. Yeah, I like that movie. I remember when that one came out. Yeah. Um, so, Let's get into some hypotheticals here a little bit too, which will connect with this even a little bit. What would you say are are kind of the most difficult battles in cybersecurity that you're facing today or that we're facing today in the present day? Mm-hmm. I, I would say insider threat is is probably one of the bigger challenges uh, because you've you've given you've given someone trust. Uh, you've given them 
you've authorized them now going back to you know previous term that we talked to talked about uh to certain uh areas of your infrastructure or are on their own computer system to to be able to do their jobs effectively uh and you trust them to manage the resources that you you you've given them access to in a secure manner as if it was their own uh so uh there's a lot of uh issues associated with that uh if that person turns out to be uh, a malicious insider or disgruntled employee or someone who is you know uh has been fired and and and, and they they're given a few more extra days of of, of access <laughs> Uh, so, so, so these are these are challenges that that are difficult because how do you uh, identify that that juncture in which someone has become uh, malicious or disgruntled from 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 when you know you know a few days prior you know they were the the model employee? So I, I think that's one of the biggest challenges that we have you know currently in the field and and one I'm I'm actively ac- actively working on. What we you're talking about a, a local aspect of the problem. Let's expand this out a little bit to the global, right? Because nations create cyber attacks on each other constantly. I mean, including our own. We do we do this stuff now back and forth. How what what are some of the particular challenges that that you see in that area too of global cybersecurity? So uh the weakest link within uh, uh, the cyber defense chain is is, is always uh, human beings, right? So uh, I, I want to say it's it's ninety plus percent of cyber attacks originate or start with some form of social engineering or phishing. So uh, when you think of how small the world has has gotten, right, because of the the the, the technolo- technological innovation that is the, the modern day internet, right? You know, I don't know what state you're in, but I'm 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 in Maryland, uh, and and we're talking as if we're in the same room, right? So just the fact that we can do this, uh, cryptocurrency is is another example, right? I uh, I can transact with with people in multiple you know in different countries very quickly without using a you know. The, the, a bank account and they and they could deal with the conversions on on their end. So when you think of you know the many mechanisms that have have arisen that have have made the world a lot smaller, this concept of of online identity now becomes uh, becomes very very important, right? Being able to truly identify that someone is who they say they are, uh, and and I argue that. The only threat that you really have to be concerned about is an insider threat, because there's things that go on uh, outside of the, the the bounds of your we, we call it your your security boundary that you don't really have to be concerned about. The major main concern is when someone gets into your 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 infrastructure. But with I, I, like like I said, you know, now the world becoming very very small, me being able to touch a machine. You know, countries over. Yeah, you know, now, who is an insider? Who is an outsider? Uh, it's hard to distinguish uh, between between the two. People have talked about, um, and this will connect with this topic, but also on, on a social media level a little bit. This idea of creating accounts with the purpose of 
of, let's say, creating strife amongst people in, in, in groups and whatnot. And I'm curious about, does that fall under the jurisdiction of cybersecurity? This idea of that a group that someone outside, let's say, the, the country or within the country, it could be domestic or global, this idea of creating, I'm going to create an account, build up members, right, or users that follow me, and then use that to, to pit groups against each other to just kind of create you know, strife within this community. Does that fall under, under cybersecurity, you think? Uh, it, it, it does. It does. If, 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 if now, now we're, we're getting into like, you know, <clears throat> you know, nation, nation type, you know, uh, uh, issues that are arising from, from, from those, those communications. Right. Uh, and, and you always fall into the challenge of, of free speech, right. You know, what, how far do we allow people to go, you know, when, when now your behavior or a group of people's behavior is now impacting, uh, impacting, you know, other people in, in, in a major way. So I, I would definitely say it, it's, it's cybersecurity. Uh, the subset of that would be online identity. And see, the only, only reason, and I use the analogy of uh, text messaging, uh, and uh, email exchanges for for fights, right? And uh, that being a, a, a weak representation of uh, actually addressing issues amongst ourselves as as human beings. And then, and this is where I think we, as human beings, use technology to our detriment, right? Uh, uh, rather than having a conversation, you hide behind a computer screen, uh, and or a group that's anonymous. Uh, in order, you know, in order to resolve or or incite issues, and uh, I, I think if 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 the issue of online identity were were addressed, like if the internet was recreated, <laughs> and uh, you could not be anonymous online, uh, you know, we would have a lot lot of lot less issues uh, in in that in that in that in that realm. So definitely a cybersecurity issue, uh, more specifically, an issue of online identity or identifying people is, is difficult. Yeah. I, something that came to me this morning, believe it or not, as I, I logged on to, to YouTube, something popped up in my feed that I'd like to ask you about here. It's a bit of an odd question, but I'm curious. So, um, podcaster, MIT, you know, aficionado, Lex Friedman had a gentleman by the name of Brett Johnson on his show, and he is a world-renowned, let's say, um, hacker or criminal in the cybersecurity world, was one of the most wanted ones, at least. Um, he was caught multiple times. The last time was actually, you know, let's say paid his dues, came out, and now he does consulting work. But a question that came to my head as I was kind of looking at this, and I didn't listen to the whole thing, this kind of celebritization, let's say, of of that criminal, right, or that that way of being the hacker, the, the the cyber thief, that kind of a thing. What is your your take from a professional on how on on how that let's say helps or hurts what you're trying to do? Having this gentleman on, I'm glad he's paid his dues. I'm glad he's trying to help. That's wonderful. But I was a, a little bit questioning, is this 
a, a good thing though that he's he's being kind of celebritized? Does it help or does it hurt? Where where do you what do you think about that? Uh, I, I think a little bit of both. Uh, I, I would lean more towards it. It, it helps uh, because now he's on 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 our side, so to speak. <laughs> uh, so 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 definitely, I would I would lean more towards helping, uh, hurting in the sense that uh, cyber defense now becomes more more and more again whenever whenever these people are celebritized uh less less interesting uh not not as as sexy so to speak as 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 hacking even though hacking is is much much easier than 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 defending uh, because as i was taught by by a mentor of mine uh growing up uh you only have to find one weakness whereas i have to find them all and figure out ways to defend uh myself or, or or an organization that I'm I'm working on behalf of or my family from all of these different types of attacks. So cyber hacking uh, is 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 much more difficult. Uh, so it, yeah, it it does it does you know cross both thresholds. Ultimately, I think it helps, but it it does make more younger people want to go into uh, the offensive side <laughs> versus the defensive side, where you know both are both are important. If you, if you're if you're you're working towards a common goal, yeah, I found it uh, in- incredibly uh, fascinating and thought provoking. The idea of once I the first time I heard uh, a company like Microsoft or something like that was actually hiring people as private hackers for their software. I thought that that was absolutely was fantastic and really interesting, and maybe it preserves a little bit of that. Uh, that that kind of energy that you were talking about about being on kind of the bad side maybe it preserves it just a little bit but I hadn't thought of also the the kind of chess match idea of being on the defensive how much more difficult that would actually be to always having to be on the defensive and try to think about where people might go versus just looking for that one space where you can get in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, no, that, that you're, you're you're accurate in, in in that sense, and and that's that's kind of like the old older mindset, and and one of the most frustrating things for me, who's been in the field for quite some time, but it you know it's it's also exciting because uh, an area of of research that I've been produ- per, per, pursuing for for quite some time is called uh, uh, outcomes outcome based cyber defense, where again. Uh, there's stages to attacks, right? And and the last stage, according to uh, the Lockheed Martin cyber kill chain model, is what's called action on objectives. So what are you actually trying to achieve? So when you think of a, a piece of malware, it might have n number of functions attached to it, right? Uh, one of which is, you know, it needs to be installed. You know, the second of which, uh, it 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 needs to hide itself. Uh, uh, it you know another might be it needs to change registry entries for persistence purposes. Uh, the you know another might be it needs to open up a communications channel, right? So all these things are precursors to what it's actually seeking to achieve or that action on ob- objectives. Uh, the ultimate action on on objectives might be to steal information. So if as a cyber defender, I don't care. I focus my attention on 
exfiltration detection. So, so watching information leave my infrastructure, I don't really care about all of the previous actions of that malware, right? Or that hacker that is programmed that, that malware. I'm just focusing on now one, right? So now it's a fair battle, right? You, you, you found one weakness. I found the one thing that you're trying to achieve. And now that battle becomes a little bit more uh, fear. And uh, it, it's something I, I, every time I get a, a chance to speak, uh, interview or, 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 or just talk to, you know, a neighbor, I, 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 I preach that principle. And, and so if I could figure that out, uh, you know, I, I, I think it would go a long way to helping us, you know, uh, move forward and then start to win some of these battles in a persistent fa- fashion. And not just this game theory approach where it's back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. That makes sense. Yeah. You, you've, you've been incredibly generous with your time. I have one more question here for you. And partly this is because um, even though I, I teach a class called Writing and Critical Inquiry, I have a lot of students in our Homeland Security program or CompSci informatics, things like that. What would you say to a young person who's just entering, let's say, college or, or to anybody, actually, who wants to enter into this field, what are some of the skill sets that they should be building right now, even ones that maybe don't get talked about as much in, in college? What are some skills that they should be building up to get into this field and to be successful? <laughs> one, one that's not obvious is uh, uh, the psychology of people. Uh, uh, when you start to understand how people think and what motivates them, uh, you could parlay that knowledge into thinking about the cyber criminal, right? So, so criminology to, to an extent, I think, I think is, is a really good, uh, non-obvious, uh, you know, uh, way in which foundational concept in which that, that, that can be useful in, in this context. Uh, of course, all the principles of computing. So, so, so knowing operating systems really well, networking <laughs> probably more, more so than, 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 than systems uh, because, you know, that's the communication channel through which uh, attacks usually occur. Uh, and then, and then backend infrastructure. So where does data reside? So on file systems, uh, data within databases in the cloud <laughs> uh, on social media, uh, so, so really understanding these uh, uh, mediums in which public information can be posted, I think that would be, you know, helpful. You know, that 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 might not be as obvious to a, a student that's that's upcoming. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, so, I'll be placing links to your works and stuff like that in the episode notes. But can you tell my audience a little bit about? Um, where they can learn more about you or any other projects you might be working on? Sure. Uh, so uh, DwayneCWilson.com is, is, is my, my primary uh, website. I, I'm no longer on LinkedIn or any other forum that's controlled by others uh, for privacy reasons, security reasons. Uh, so that, that's my, my, my prime uh, place of, of you know, uh, talking about you know, things as it pertains to myself. I have uh, two companies. One's called uh, Wilson Innovative Solutions. Uh, so the website to that is is WilsonInnovativeSolutions.com. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, and then and then we have an education training company, uh, WizEd. Uh, uh, I believe it's WizEd.org. Uh, yeah, is our education and training arm, which uh, was spun off a couple of years ago to to educate and train uh, people that are upcoming in the in the, in the field. Wonderful. Yeah, I'll make sure to put the links to to both the companies as well in there. Dwayne, thank you so much for joining us today. It really, you really educated all of us quite a lot. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. <laughs> well, I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Dr. Dwayne C. Wilson. Check out his book, Cybersecurity, using the link that I've provided in the episode notes below. And while you're there, consider supporting the podcast in any number of ways outlined in the notes section. However, Know that I'm incredibly grateful for the time that you spent listening to this episode. Thank you. Until next time, try to keep one foot firmly planted on neutral ground. And have a great day. Bye.